0: So we're constantly asking patients what they liked, what they didn't like, we're asking event attendees. So you know, if we're doing an event out in the community, we might be sending out a text or an email after the event to ask them what they loved, what drew them to the event in the first place, what would they change? And so you do have to be willing to put your ego aside And you have to be willing to take some some tough um, interaction and and sometimes criticism to heart because what I've also learned in the process is I'm never not going to be a chiropractor.
1: Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, friends. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. I'm here with the amazing Dr. Christy Wick. She's a chiropractor, a coach, a speaker, a practice growth strategist, and she hails from the humble southeastern Wisconsin. Now, gang, she's a self-declared design addict. She lives for Lululemon leggings. She loves listening to Lizzo. Now, That's easier uh, written down than it is to actually say. From I have been practicing that uh, all all morning, actually. And this was almost a no-go for me when I read this, to the surprise of many. She does not drink coffee. We might have to talk about that in a moment as well. Now, as Christy's practice grew over 500% in the last six years, so that's some pretty massive growth there, so did Christy's desire to share her story through speaking and mentoring about the chiropractors. She loves inspiring colleagues to find their strength within, and she's here today to talk to us all about marketing. So, Christy, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you again.
1: Well, it's nice to be here. It's been a number of years since we chatted last I loved our last chat as well, and it got rave reviews from uh, the many people that consumed the All-Star Summit, is what it was with Tony and I at the time as well. So perhaps for the people that um, haven't seen that, because we've got health practitioners from around the world that are listening today, can you give us a little bit of a background of your story?
0: Sure. So I have been in practice as a chiropractor for 12 years. Um, I started out in practice with all of the fire needed, right? Like knew I was going to change the world and things kind of the first few years were not really living up to that expectation for me. So I had some struggles early on. And then um, about five years into practice, I had my first child and he had some difficult experiences early on. And so he really was the the inspiration for me to seek out more knowledge and to really level up my game so that I was comfortable sharing the message and communicating in a way that other women especially could understand and, and take to heart for their families. And so things just rapidly changed in my practice. Uh, now I have a multi-doc, um, all-female team. So we have three female docs, mm-hmm. um, all-female support staff, and we are just loving life. And we see so many awesome young families. Uh, we're about 40% pediatric in our practice and then uh, loads of pregnant moms as well. So we just love seeing those thriving young families and keeping it that way.
1: Tell me more about this kind of realization that when you need to, or what your desire was to come and communicate to more young families and young mums, that you realized that things needed to be a little different. What did you discover there?
0: I think the biggest thing for me was early in practice. I really let my own hangups get in the way of sharing the message. So I was always concerned about, doing it perfectly and making sure that it was going to be palatable to whomever I was speaking to. And so because that was on this repetitive loop in my brain, it really limited my ability to just share the message, to just be honest and raw and open. So I had to seek out help in order to really poke some holes in some of my own limiting beliefs and some of my own perfectionism so that I could get to a point and, and realize that no one in our community is hearing two chiropractors five minutes next to each other talking about the message. So if I could get over that thought process that it needed to be perfect, I would have the chance of actually changing the trajectory of that family's life with an imperfect message. I'm a big believer now that, you know, an imperfect message is is what all of us are sharing. None of us are gonna be perfect. And especially for young women across whatever country you are in that are, you know, health decision makers in their household, they like that they want you to be real and raw and honest with them Uh, so i really was able to just dive into why i was holding myself back and why Mm -hmm. i felt so self-conscious about sharing the message a lot of it i think a lot of health uh, practitioners are they have a big fear of rejection and so that prevents them from sharing the message so had to do a lot of internal work in order to make the external better Mm -hmm. and in that work, I really found that I uh, relate so well with um, so many different types of patients because I'm more than willing to just raise my hand and say, I'm not perfect. My family health is not perfect. We don't do everything exactly you know, to a T of how um, how that holistic health model works, but that's what people need to hear. They need to see that you're real and raw and honest and you're willing to um, stand side by side with them and not, not Kind of on a high horse judging them. So that was really a big transformation of practice is just being willing to um, share the message, even though it was imperfect.
1: Yeah. Can we talk more about this concept of um, rejection? Because it's a big one. You know, so many of our listeners, we tend to find ourselves in this, you know, whether we're chiropractors or naturopaths, because we're people, people. And we want to help people, so that tends to be the drive. I, I don't see many people kind of getting into this because they want to make a bucket load of cash. So, so we we're there to please people within in a you know, way. We all feel like we've got a secret that we know that really makes a difference to people's health. Um, and yet we're we're so easily wounded, which I totally get as as well. And you, you obviously coach a lot of docs as well. How did you transition forwards in the whole kind of rejection thing? And then how do you help the doctors that you coach move forwards also?
0: Yeah, it was it was speaking to exactly what you just said that I got into this to help people. And so by me being so afraid of rejection, I had to spin that around and say I'm worrying about my own feelings in this scenario. In and, and and by doing so, I'm actually removing the opportunity for this person in front of me to have information that actually could change the trajectory of their life and mm-hmm. alter their quality of life. So I had to start really kind of drawing out my own feelings and examining them and saying it are my own insecurities and my own fears preventing me from doing what I got into this to do in the first place which is help people. So I always talk about with my clients that when we choose not to share we're actually removing that client or you know potential clients ability to make an educated decision and none of us want to be that person right Mm -hmm. We're none of us want to be the person that is withholding information that potentially could change the way that they make decisions for their family's health and so the more that i was able to turn that around and just be honest about the fact that you know it's it's not about me whatsoever and i have to just look at myself as the, the vessel to share the message because they deserve to hear the message. And as soon as I did that, now I'm that person that has no problem. You know, I mean, I'm I'm that friend casually, right? Where if, I'm sure all of you have friends like this, where their kids are continuously having problems. And you're like, I don't mind mentioning this tw- the, for the 27th time in a row. I'll keep telling you until you <laughs> like, I have no problem continuing to, to share the message because um, they need to hear it. And oftentimes a lot of people need to hear it. In more than one way, more than one time, before they decided something to try for their family. So,
1: Mm. I think it's interesting. I like to explore. You know, what does it mean when somebody says no to us, and when somebody's saying no to us, what are they actually saying no to? I had an interesting experience on an airplane a couple of months ago, where I was flying back, and um, a lovely lady sitting next to me. We chatted for ages. And she'd just come from a big conference where they were um, selling Arbonne. I don't know if you have Arbon over in the States. Yes, she, she was is. super pumped and excited about it. We got talking about the product. I knew about the product as well. We had tried it as a family. Um, and my wife is just the master at kind of having our house be absolutely chemical free. So Lauren had tried it. <clears throat> it wasn't for her. But anyway, I, I, I chatted to this gal about it. And um, I could see that she was really fired up after the weekend. And she was going to go for her big kind of pitch with me now, which I, I love these situations. So because I'm interested to see how people will do it. And I'm interested in kind of human psychology there as, as well. Mm. And one I noticed my desire to want to please her and say yes, because she said, look, I want to give you some samples. of drink, Because she'd already kind of said to me, have you tried the stuff? I went, yeah, yeah, we tried it. It wasn't for us. We love the idea of the company, you know, anything that's kind of chemical free and organic and better for our planet. We're like, woo-woo, yeah, all that kind of stuff there, too. But when she kind of went through the whole spiel for me and then tried to give me a bunch of the samples and I I said, Oh no, I'm not interested. I won't take those from you, but thanks for the offer. The look of devastation on her face was, it was palpable. Like it was so obvious and I just wanted to wrap my arms around her and say, I still think you're amazing. I've loved our conversation. You're ace. It's just not for me, not at the moment. And it had me really think about how many times, I had felt rejected because I've put an offer forwards to somebody and somebody said no. And then I'd made up all these stories that they don't like me. I'm not good enough. All these kind of things there too. And I think, you know, most of the time it's not. We're getting phone calls all the time from people trying to pitch stuff, change our electricity. And I just politely say no. It doesn't mean that they're a terrible person. I just don't want what they're offering. Mm -hmm. And that's been helpful for me too, is to kind of realize they're not rejecting me. Um, maybe it's the message and maybe it's just now. And you know what you said before, sometimes it's 27 times that we need to hear the message.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think that's so vital for anyone to examine their own feelings around that interaction because oftentimes that is what we allow to snowball in our brains and in our hearts. And then we find ourselves losing our passion and vigor for something that is a lot of times what we were put on this earth to share because we're making it about something that's not, that's not real. So I always tell my clients, like, it's okay to feel that in the moment, but then you have to examine where it's coming from. You have to look at facts, not feelings. Like what are the actual facts you have in that situation? And then feel whatever feelings you need to feel and then move on and be Mm. willing to... To tell that person even, you know, in those situations, when I find myself in those situations, I always just say like, okay, totally respect that. Like if that ever changes, you know where to find me. Like and just being willing to tell that prospect that you're there for them and you support yes. their decision to make a choice. Um, I think a lot of times in chiropractic too, we can get a little bit um, upset that we think we know the right way but it's not our job to make a decision for that prospect. They have their own life to live. And it's a huge pet peeve of mine when we flip it on its head because we get really upset when the medical profession does that and shames them for it has to be this way, this is the right way. And I'm super passionate that we cannot do that. We can't come at it from that same point. We just have to be willing to share the information and then support their human right to choose and know that we're there for them when they're ready.
1: I think it kind of, you know, we go back to kind of where you started too, that you realised that when I was communicating with mums to begin with, that, that one of your secret weapons was authenticity. Um, and that part of authenticity, but also sometimes we hold ourselves to, you know, as health practitioners, we have an incredible level of health IQ, you know, we're doing organic and gluten free and chem, you know, all that kind of stuff that too, which we just think is normal because we hang out with chiropractors or other health practitioners all the time. So that's just normal, but that's really weird to people, you know, and, or unreachable, unmanageable as, as well. So. You know, and my experience, too, because I hang out with a lot of different health practitioners, you know, we're not doing it all the time and we try and hide it. We get sneaky with stuff there, too. You know, I, I remember interviewing a, you know, a very well-known health practitioner who stands for the whole thing. And I had to pop up to his room with him to do the interview. And the bed was covered with kind of Mars bars and all this kind of stuff. I had a little giggle. I went, See, when we try and kind of hide things there and push them down, you know, what we repress expresses itself one way or another there too but it it does one of the things that you obviously realized is that you understood your target market it's this concept of of that's a living representant representation of understanding your niche as well so can we talk about that and the importance of kind of understanding who you're talking to
0: Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, we have a family practice. And so when I really started to change the trajectory of how we were doing things in the practice and making sure that everything was very aligned with who we wanted to serve, I had to get really honest about if our message was going to land with families. And in my mind, a message landing with families equals, can you adequately talk to a mom? Because let's be honest, you could look at a million studies and, you know, moms are the ones that make health decisions in the vast majority of families. And so I had to really explore my own, like, I'm lucky enough that I'm my target market, right? Like a female, mid thirties, I have young kids, three and seven. So I kind of get a cheat code that I am my own target market. So everything goes through my own lens. But for those of you that maybe are not that you know, younger mom, but that's who you, you wanna serve as young families, you have to start being willing to ask yourself what feelings she's feeling that you can speak to in your copy and in your videos and in your one-on-one interactions. So for instance, if we go back to the example we were just using of, we understand that all of this information we're giving you it can easily create overwhelm. Like you might be thinking right now, I need to change everything my family is eating. I need to change the way we're sleeping. I need to change what we're cleaning with. I need to change all all the things. If you aren't willing to speak to her overwhelm, and if you aren't willing to, you know, really help her understand that it's, she doesn't need to wave a magic wand and make all these changes at once and nobody's perfect, you likely will continue to just talk over her head. Like all of those things will not land for her because it's really easy. I think for moms, especially to get locked into a judgment mode. Like there's so much mom guilt. Everyone, I mean, every mom I know is concerned that we're doing it wrong. I mean, it's just, it's just reality. And so getting really clear on what emotions are happening in that, that stage of life and how can you make sure that, Every single time you are sharing the message, you're speaking to her heart and you're speaking to her feelings so that she feels heard and understood so that you can then open her mind to new information.
1: Mm. Excuse me. We're we're so tempted to, I find myself this, I'm a, a bit of a nerd and I like logic and logic really works for me. But when we try and communicate you know, there's, there's not, and I mean this in the nicest way, when you're a young family and chaos is going on, there's not a lot of logic happening. But there's an enormous amount of emotion. You know, we're tired. We're trying to work out what's going on. Am I doing and the And right, the guilt that happens, even, you know, am I doing everything that I possibly can? And when you can step back, you know, I often kind of think of, you know, if you're going to make a video to share with your community, you really want to kind of do it in the same way you're going to communicate with somebody at a party. how do we bond with them? How do we connect with them? You know, we really like people that are like us. And when we're communicating with somebody, we're searching for things to kind of find that's like us. And if we can, you know, if you run into one of those situations, you're at a party and someone says, oh, did you go to this school? Oh, you must know Sally. And as soon as you both got Sally together, there's that bond? Where can we find these things that are common that we kind of share with as, as, as well? So do you have... Um, some strategies that kind of help your docs better understand? Do you suggest they interview their target audience? So, if they're not one like you are, right? Um, yeah, how do we get a better understanding of it?
0: Absolutely. I think the more information you can get from your ideal avatar, the better. So, one of the easiest things you can do is look at your practice, and you all have patients in your practice that you wish you could clone. I'm sure if you like right now took a pen and paper and you said, I can think of four or five people off the top of my head that if I had a practice full of Debbie's, I would be like so jazzed to go to the practice every single day. I'm a huge proponent of take Debbie and Mary and Sarah out to lunch and talk to them about what attracted them to your practice in the first place. What language you have used that has really hit home for them. When did they feel the most safe with your message? When did they start to um, get rid of some of those overwhelmed feelings and really feel empowered about their ability to choose a different level of health for their family or a different way of health? The more questions like that you can ask your, those patients that you want more of, now you're actually using facts to make decisions. And that's a CEO. Like in my mind, all, all marketing has to boil back to how are you. Actually, getting tangible information from the people that you want to serve so that you can then go back and use that to amplify your message. So, we're constantly asking patients what they liked, what they didn't like. We're asking event attendees. So, you know, if we're doing an event out in the community, we might be sending out a text or an email after the event to ask them what they loved, what drew them to the event in the first place, what would they change. And so, you do have to be willing to put your ego aside. And you have to be willing to take some some tough um, interaction and, and sometimes criticism to heart because what I've also learned in the process is I'm never not going to be a chiropractor. Like I'm always going to be a chiropractor. So I'm always going to speak like a chiropractor. I'm always going to think like a chiropractor. And so even just writing copy, you know, early on when I started to make this transition, I found I needed a lay person that was very passionate about chiropractic to convey my message Because I was always talking at a level that wasn't landing for my target market. So I know what I'm looking for in copy, but I still can't write it as effectively as, for instance, our marketing contractor that we have now, who happens to be a young mom who was in the practice, who lives and breathes this and understands how to land that message far better than I ever can. So being willing to ask, I think, is a a huge um, first thing. And then the other thing is just tracking all of your marketing efforts and actually understanding your return on investment on each thing and using those facts as well. So if you're investing in something over and over, if, as long as you've really done your testing and it's not showing you that it's getting the results you could and should get, you have to be willing to be nimble and shift that investment. And what I'm finding a lot in coaching is a lot of us are just you know, going out and just throwing things against the wall and hoping that they stick instead of actually looking at the data with each marketing effort to know, is this working? Like, are my dollars and my time coming back? to me and so we even track our time like for every event everything we're doing for marketing we're always looking at the data of is this something that we should continue on is this something we should double down on Um, because I'm always putting things through that business lens as well so as far as getting into this you know the marketing realm I think that's really important too.
1: When you talk about tracking and looking at return on investment One of the challenges that we see nowadays, and I'd love your thoughts on this, is that many people that end up in our practice um, might uh, see a Facebook ad, might head on over and like our page, might end up over at our website. And there are multiple touch points, sometimes over months, occasionally over years, before they come into us as well. So as it being, you know, in the old days, yeah, well, I saw one of your ads and came on in. There tends to be kind of multiple touch points. How do you deal with that? How do you kind of uh, assign a... um, you know where that lead came from.
0: Right. So, in my mind, there's really two different categories. The category that you're talking about are all things that you really as a business, you're not going to stop your website, right? You're not going to stop your organic social media. You're not like, those are things that are just in my mind, kind of a given. So we're never going to walk away from those things. So those are always there and they're always nurturing. Like that's how I really view a lot of our social media is how are we nurturing people that are in our, sp- our sphere, our funnel? How do we help them make that decision quicker? that's what i'm always thinking about with that end. so as far as tracking the roi i'm looking at anything that is more tangible. so an event or a screening or you know other things that take a lot of time. so for instance if we are putting an extra amount of time towards our blog posts and then we're putting actual money towards you know traffic to that blog post online how can we then say okay how much traffic did we get and what was our return for each dollar and same thing with events i think a lot of us We'll put on events or we'll go do screenings and we forget to really figure out how much time did your team spend preparing that? How much time did they spend at the event? How much time did they spend then debriefing the event and making contacts and whatnot? So making sure that you are breaking it down into bite-sized pieces that you can look at on paper so that each year over year you can go back and say, okay, we did this event last year. Hmm. What actually happened in that event? How, where was our time and money spent? And what was our actual return? Is there anything we could do to make it better? And if not, is it worth our time and energy when we're getting maybe better results over here? And do we want to pivot and put more of our time and attention there?
1: Yeah. Christy, can you share some of the events that you run? What do you do? How long do they take? What are some of the results? What works, what hasn't worked for you?
0: I'll be completely frank. So we were doing events every month for years. And this year, we have actually pivoted away from live events because we were getting the feedback, both in just our sign-up and show-up rates, and also from our from our Debbies and Marys in the practice that uh, life was just getting too busy, and for them to show up to a physical event was getting less and less palatable to them. So in the past, we were doing you know we were doing pregnancy workshops stress workshops, um, more of like immersion women's health based workshops, ADHD based workshops. We're doing basically one of those at least every month. And our um, our market, uh, we got to a bit of like market saturation where, you know, we had been running events for such a long period of time every single month where we were just seeing our return diminish. So now we have pivoted And we are um, back to kind of where I started, which is going and finding existing groups that are already in place that meet on a regular basis. So, you know, women's church groups and, you know, mops groups so moms of preschoolers and those types of things where they already have an existing community where we can come in and we can easily give them a fantastic presentation, but we're not driving the traffic We're not investing in the event. Um, And so we're seeing a really good return on that. And then we're also um, just leveraging the fact that busy moms live online. So how can we give them the best content possible and then get them into our our email channel so that we are consistently talking to them via email so that as I mentioned before we're lowering the barrier and we're shortening the refractory period of how long it takes for them to take action so um, yeah we've really pivoted away we probably have done maybe a quarter as many events this year as we've done in the last few years um, and the practice is still up about 15 percent as compared to last year so we're really just being nimble and pivoting and making sure that we're listening to our audience who is just continuously saying year over year, it's gotten gotten harder and harder for them to get to an event in person.
1: Mm. Once you've identified a group um, that you want to go and speak with um, what's the process that you go through to, to actually set the talk up? How do you reach out? How does that happen?
0: Yeah. So we also do a lot of workplace talks, so I'll cover that too. So the workplace talks, we have found it's best to go in person so we have a couple CAs that are, you know, like they're just sunshiny. They're very sunshiny CAs. And so we, they usually have some sort of gift. Gifts are good. You guys make sure. So they take a basket of fruit or, you know, we've done like homemade granola. We've done really fine like coffees and teas, that kind of thing. Um, that wouldn't have been a good gift for me. I wouldn't have liked <laughs> But they always take a little gift basket and then we have a beautiful packet of information. I'm kind of a branding, as you mentioned, I'm a branding like design freak. So I'm really always looking at the materials we're putting out in the world um, and if it's something that I would find interesting and palatable. So they have a great packet um, along with the gift and they basically just go and they sunshine the crud out of that front desk receptionist and their job is to get the name and contact information for whomever the decision maker is about having workshops in in in-house so they will take that gift and they will talk about you know our doctors do a certain amount of community presentations every quarter we have limited spots available for this quarter and we thought of you because we're super like we admire what you do in the community with xyz so we always do some research as well so make sure you're talking to what's important to uh, the place that you are. Um, and then they get the contact information and then we follow up. So we have a really good re- like return rate on this because then they, they call and email usually three to four times before we, we give up. So what um, we find going in person really helps and obviously making sure that your CAs feel prepared to discuss how many workshops you've done, your credentials, why it's helpful for. So what's in it for them, right? Like that's all they want to know. And especially for workplaces, they want to create an environment that's as healthy and happy as possible. So if you can speak to that of how, you know, our doctors are going to be able to come in and really help make sure your employees are productive and happy and efficient and your teamwork improves because everyone is able to handle and adapt to stress better, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? Yeah. So so that's the biggest thing um with that and then if it, the other avenue as far as like moms groups and that kind of thing, our hack, and obviously this really is dependent on how ingrained you are in the community, is who do we know? It's like the seven degrees of separation. Yes. So who do we know that knows a, the person that runs that group? And then how can we, for lack of a better word, leverage that person to help? make sure that, you know, they're providing the info for, um, that person, they're introing us and they're getting us connected and talking about what's in it for them. Um, and the last thing I'll say about this for everyone listening is just persistence. Like, Mm. please don't be afraid to be persistent. Obviously don't be obnoxious, like don't be an annoying person, but you know, for instance, for multiple years, I wanted to get some of our pediatric workshops Um, the flyers for them in our school district mailings. So I wanted our school district, I wanted every parent to know when we had a workshop. Um, And I heard no multiple times, and I still reached out probably every, I would say five to six months um, for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then now, anytime we do a pediatric workshop, every parent in our school district gets a flyer on that because I just continued to try different approaches and I was more than willing to sit back and know I am literally providing an opportunity that is the best and most helpful for not only these students, but these parents and the teachers. And so eventually one day I tweaked my approach and I sent an email to the superintendent that included a testimonial from a mom talking about a teacher coming out of the blue and asking what had happened with this, like what happened with this child, like completely different child. And so it was speaking to the teacher's life was easier. And that finally made the superintendent say, okay, like I understand and I will happily promote this. So be willing to be persistent and be willing to take different approaches with the places that you really want to get in front of. um, Because the worst they can say is continue to say no and, and think that maybe you're Little overzealous. I'd rather have them think I'm overzealous than not continue to try and get in front of those people when we can help. So,
1: yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, I think more times than not, it's often um, no for now as opposed to it just being no. And one of the, there's a real theme that kind of I love that runs right the way through from even when you started your practice and you've said this word numerous times of being nimble, of being, you know, and in chiropractic, we talk about adaptability being you know one of the pillars of a healthy body as as well so can you talk a little bit about the importance of being nimble being ready to be changed to look for it? because you've gone from what was working and then you know so many of us just keep on with that as opposed to being able to just go oh it's time to let that go that was great then and into now because the world of marketing has changed so much and continues to change
0: This is what I, so when I talk about marketing to my clients or when I go out and give a talk, I I just joke and say, you know, I think we used to be able to say marketing changed on a, on a quarterly basis and then monthly. And now it's like marketing changes every minute. I feel like, I feel like something that was super successful for us last week, all of a sudden doesn't work anymore. So I, I had to really do a lot of work around, um, just because something is no longer working doesn't mean it's bad. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't revisit it again later. But I personally think if you want your practice to grow year over year, you have to be willing to look at your target market and how they're changing and evolving. And your practice has to consistently meet the needs of that target market. And they're going to change. And they're going to, you know, unless you want the exact same patients at the exact same po- point in their life and you're never gonna grow with them, how are you gonna be able to actually start to to reach people as they're going through life and they're facing new challenges? So I think the biggest thing of just being willing to adapt was something that I saw in a lot of other practices that were modeled that were not adapted. Like they just they didn't want to hear new information, they didn't want to try new things, everything set like seemed overwhelming and As I saw that early on, it was also very preached that like this model is the only model, the only way for it to work. And I practice in a rural area and a lot of the practices that were modeled for me practice in an urban area. And so a lot of what they were doing, I would try on and not only sometimes did it feel inauthentic to me, but it also didn't work because I have a completely different market. And so early on, I had to just be willing to say I'm going to, I'm going to really just listen to my audience and I'm also going to listen to my butt and I'm going to try the things that feel good to me. And then I'm going to use data to decide if I should continue doing them. And I'm also not going to attach feelings to the fact that they didn't work. I'm going to be willing to just uh, like take a sharp left turn if you need to, because any successful business has to grow with the times and, You know how you marketed, how I marketed my practice. I just said, you know, even one year ago is completely different than what we're doing now, and that doesn't mean anything besides the fact that just that's business. Like things evolve and things grow and change. So, um, especially for those of you listening, if if it feels overwhelming to you that things are changing so rapidly, just make sure you get help. Like that's what that's what I had to I had to do and say. You know, so way back when years ago when we started using Facebook ads it was easy. You could target people easily. You could throw some money at it and it would, it would work. And now there's just, I mean, the world of that is changing so frequently that if I didn't have an expert in my pocket that came to me and said, Hey, we need to try a new carousel ad this month. And I'm like, I don't even know what a carousel ad is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If I didn't have that person who it was her job to keep up with it, I wouldn't be, the practitioner and the business person that I am, because, you know, my life would be consumed with trying to figure out all these trends. So um, I think you have to be willing to be nimble. And if you're overwhelmed by that, you have to be willing to get help too.
1: So, Christy, where's the, where's the fine line between, um, you know, looking at what's working and then being willing to change, but then persistence also, because we kind of go back to getting your message out with the school, like that took five years or, or a number of years and a number of touch points Why did you not come to the decision? Well, this is clearly not working. Pivot, be nimble, do something different. So, what made you kind of double down and stay with that as opposed to saying this is not a strategy?
0: That's such a good question. I'm pondering how I can tell you in my brain what I decide to stick with or not. Um, I would say anything that is just my time. So, anything that is me reaching out and it's not costing me physical dollars, I'm more than willing to be persistent with or have a, a team member of mine be persistent with um if I feel like it's a no for now, like you were mentioning, if I feel like there's a potential in the future. If it's costing me dollars, actual marketing investment, uh I like to give myself a six month window. So I will I will try something for six months. And if I'm not seeing enough change, then I will invest that money elsewhere. Um but you know for instance sending an email or making a phone call to you know, try to get into the school. like that costs, that, that costs me 10 minutes. And I'm more than willing to do that. Or like I said, have a team member do that consistently. Um, because it's quick and easy and it doesn't, you know, it's just something that can, we can fit into our time. So I would say, um, especially when you know that the return on that time investment could be huge, right? Like we're talking about not getting in front of thousands of, of families versus them at least seeing that this is an opportunity for them. Yeah. That's, I'm willing to be persistent about. Um and oftentimes when people are first starting out, they have so much more time than money anyway. So just really ask yourself what you're willing to invest your time in um and then if it's something that isn't taking an extraordinarily long amount of time, that's okay to keep at it. So
1: yeah, I love that answer. You um I'm coaching a lot of docs. Um, what are the challenges that you see that they have with their marketing? What, what are the ones that continue to kind of come up again and again?
0: Yeah, the I would say the biggest challenge is overwhelm, like yeah. we just said. So they, they understand the thought process that all of these online avenues are going to help them for marketing but where to even start. Oftentimes, even with just organic, like what, I don't even know what to post on social media, let alone how to boost a post or how to get an efficient ad or split test an ad, or, you know, how many videos should I do? So there's so many questions that they just shut down and they just, they, they don't try anything. And so then they default back to obviously word of mouth and referrals, which, you know, very important, but you can capitalize on that tremendously. So, um, I really am of the mind of how can you break it down into bite-sized pieces and stop comparing yourself to a practice that maybe is four or five times your size, has a completely different level of pool of people to pull from to get the work done and investment to get the work done, and just be willing to start somewhere. Be willing, you know, so I'm like, especially for organic, if people are overwhelmed by what to post and whatnot, um, you have to just be willing to start with post, one post a day, and again, go back to what we were talking about of who is your target market, And what do they engage with on social media? Ask them, ask them where they hang out. Are they spending more time on Facebook or are they spending more time on Instagram? And what are the accounts that they love following in their feed? And then go look at that and reproduce some of it. I mean, some of the Facebook organic content that we use is hilarious. Like we post so many silly, silly memes. And when we first started doing this, I was like, oh gosh, I can't believe we're like posting another meme about you know, coffee and wine like it 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 bothered me as a practitioner so much, but they're engaging with those posts so frequently that then when we have a social proof picture of us adjusting a baby and telling this fantastic story, they actually see it because the algorithm knows that they're engaging with our silly content. So therefore it's serving them our life changing content. So I think just overwhelm is the number one thing that I see that's preventing people from starting something with marketing. Um, And there's so many resources out there. I mean, this is a great, I'm so glad everyone is listening to this. This is a great resource for all of you to just use and pick one thing each week or each month that you're gonna implement and just break it down into bite-sized pieces so you're not overwhelmed. So you can just put one foot in front of the other and start seeing some results.
1: It's so tricky because we're used to seeing everybody else's end game, you know, whether you're on Instagram and you happen to see some wonderful Instagrammer whose colors are all gorgeously aligned and their wall is all in a pattern and there's, you know, so but but I I promise you they didn't start like that Um, and maybe that's their only job, you know, they're not looking after patients on a daily basis as, as well but I like what you said that you know, when, when we were learning, uh, you know, going through school, we had to do grade one before we did grade two. And if you knew in advance all the things that you had to know over the next 18 years, it would be overwhelming. But you didn't. You just did grade one and then you did grade two. And I think marketing is exactly the same. I really like your advice with regards to that too. Just just one thing, you know, start to put some posts out there. Choose a platform, you know, is it Instagram or Facebook? And, you know, the fact of the matter is now it's really easy just to cross post uh, uh, both. You know, press a button, it goes to both. So, you know, you can start to share across and then look back at, because there is that challenge that, and and I noticed this as well, even with Adio Media is that people tend to like and comment on photos of me, uh, you know, whether it be me with my dog or, you know, doing things that are kind of outside of what Adio is. And if I only ever posted that, that they wouldn't know that I can help them with other things. But yet if I only ever posted stuff on marketing, then you know what, not, it's, dry and boring and for some people you know it's not for me i find it really engaging and exciting there too but people want to get to know us and so finding that balance between and and again not to get overwhelmed with it too but you know perhaps pick up your phone and open up instagram look at your posts and then go into the area of insights and see go wow every time we do that you know that's got that's got a whole bunch more engagement than everything else there too i can do more of that as well so um you know, there's a lot to be gained there too. So, Christy, tell me, Um, I, I want to kind of jump in before we finish up here too and talk a little bit about your coaching. How does your coaching work? Do you, is it kind of group coaching, one-on-one coaching, yeah. You know, how does that all work?
0: So, it's a group coaching program where they're getting content, but they're also getting some personalized attention so that I can make sure because everyone has different practice goals, everyone has a different practice vision. And when I looked at kind of the market in chiropractic, I really felt strongly that, especially for women, that was being overlooked that, you know, everyone, what what we believe success is for our practice um, is very different from person to person. So I am really just super passionate about drawing that out of each client and doing my best then to help them put some blinders on so that they're laser focused on what that is for themselves. And they can really remove any shame around it not looking like someone over here and someone over there. Um, So it's, it's a combination of content and some individualized attention. And it's an awesome community of women that are really just so excited to lift each other up and support each other and create this really judgment-free zone where they're excited to, um, to thrive in their own way. And that's, that's what I um, have been so passionate about, about building. And they're just getting amazing results. I mean, women that have felt like they're stuck for years and years are, you know, the the actual program is only a couple of months old and they're already up, you know, 30, 40% this year. It's just amazing to see them kind of give themselves permission to live life their own way and then just practice their own way. Uh, because that's what that's what our communities are craving as well.
1: So there's some really um, unique challenges that women and particularly mums in practice have of what our society tells us is reasonable you know how do i be that world-class mum and at the same time you know i you know i want to change the world through my practice and you know to the the same extent that's not kind of there for us as dads. It's a, it is a little different and I can't speak on obviously on behalf of all dads, but it's not a cultural conversation that's telling uh, men that we have to do everything. It's, it's okay for us to just go, right, get in there, get into work. I mean, that's kind of in many ways really championed, um, but it, it's, it's hard as, as well. So it's nice to see that there is, you know, again, you've chosen a focus here and something that you've kind of um, you know, personal challenges that you've had as, as well. Now it, at the moment though, you don't have any spots available if people are kind of interested for coaching, which is yeah.
0: correct. So right now I'm on a wait list, but I have some big announcements coming in October of 2019. So if people are interested, they can head over to the illuminated and I'm sure you'll link that up in the show notes yes. and they can get on the wait list and um, be the first to know what's, what's next for, for the squad.
1: Yeah. Now I chuckle now because when I first saw that link, I thought it was the Illuminati squad. So um, I'm like, yeah. oh, hang on, what's going on here? The Illuminati squad. What are these girls up to? So uh, it's the Illuminated squad.
0: Illuminated. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I I will have some uh, links in the show notes as well. And then if people want to find you on any of the socials as well, where should they look, Christy?
0: Instagram is my favorite. It's where I love to hang out. So just at Dr. Christy, but my name is spelled pretty amazingly odd so you'll you'll link that up in the show yeah, notes. i'll
1: have the links inside all of the show <laughs> notes as well but you should find christy because um you know christy I, I hope that our listeners have got today the authenticity that comes through her and um she's a great sharer on instagram and opens up and i feel like i really know everything about christy because she really shares a lot about what her challenges are and i can see You know what? It's just so damn attractive because so many of us on Instagram are taking a photo, which is actually the best of 17 photos that I've taken, and then we're putting it up there and then we're sharing a story about how wonderful our life is. Um, And that's okay because our lives are wonderful. The very fact that we can use Instagram is probably a pretty damn good start. Um, but sometimes it's really difficult um, and you do a great job of sharing the ups and downs of your life as well. So um, I want to acknowledge you for that. I, I, I like reading them for that reason too, because it reminds me that, you know, out there, there are other people like me that um, that challenge, uh, have challenges on a daily basis too. Yeah.
0: That means a lot to me. And I think this is, that's a great place to stop for everyone listening, like in your practice, people want to see you as well. So, you know, there's a fine line between being a practitioner and, but, pull back the curtain and let them see your heart and watch your results change
1: for sure. Yeah. Hey, Christy, thank you so much for sharing. So openly with me on the show here today. Gang, I all want you to go and check out Christy's socials. Go and check out the Illuminated Squad as well. And then I look forward to chatting with you again soon, hopefully not years um, into the future. I feel like there's a whole bunch of things that we didn't even get a chance to touch on as well. So Christy, on behalf of all of the gang here at the Marketing Your Practice uh, podcast, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. See you, hon. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out the Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work one-on-one with you to apply, implement, systematize and help guide you and your practice to the next level. Now, you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.